Blog Talk Radio. Sweeping those streets I used to own, I still love that. I will never grow tired of that healthcare metaphor of the demise of the doctor. Used to be supreme, all-knower, purveyor of information, one-way distribution to the receiving patient who was uh, wistfully receiving on the on there. And anyway, welcome everyone. This is Greg Masters. I'm here broadcasting on this week in accountable care. We changed the name kind of like it better, This Week in Accountable Care, on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And we're on uh, Friday today, usually broadcast on Wednesdays, February the 10th, 2012, from the winter paradise of San Diego, California, where we are under high surf advisories at the moment, which is a true surfer's paradise. Now, I went out two days ago, got beat up pretty good, so I'm recovering. So I'm going to give it a little more restoration time before I head back out. On today's broadcast, which is the second in our installment of our HIMSS 2012 countdown, my special guest is fellow health tweet, Gary Lee Thompson, the CEO of Cloud, which stands for the Consortium for Local Ownership and Use of Data, also known on Twitter at Cloud Health. So welcome, Gary. Well, thank you, Greg. Look forward to surfing through this next half hour uh, with you and uh, adding a a little voice to our normally 140-character tweet. Absolutely, and uh, we are fresh off a rather energetic chat on Twitter under the hashtag HITSM, standing for Health Information Technology Social Media. We had a great chat today. I got in a little late, but, boy, it was vibrating by the time I got on there. So uh, I did my best to zero in on what we were talking about and make a few uh, you know, ra- semi-rational or intelligent uh, uh, conver- uh, observation. So, Gary, let's start off today with you telling us a little bit about you, your background, your career path, what drew you into this whole open space and healthcare conversation. So, let me kick it over to you and tell us a little bit about you and Cloud. Well, thanks, Greg, and, and thanks for having me uh, on the show today. Um, you know, little did I realize in, in, the, in the late 80s when I came out of college at Northwestern and started working for Apple, and, you know, these universities that I was working with kept saying, you know, that Apple Talk stuff's nice, but we want to connect to this TCPIP thing. And little did I know that uh, the birth of the Internet was happening right there and right then and that that uh, history of mine would, would resurface itself here uh, in the last couple of three years with cloud. Um, if it weren't for the fact that there's the word entrepreneur, um, I would be called somebody with ADD, and I'd probably be prescribed something. But uh, from, from working at Apple uh, over the last 25 years to a couple of different startups like the Texas E-Commerce Association, um, I've always been around the world of technology, uh, but you know, come at it from a real kind of business person's perspective, not actually being trained as a computer scientist. And you're in that hotbed of Austin, so you're probably in a pool of like-minded people. Well, it's a neat place. Actually, uh, tomorrow is our uh, our TEDx Austin event, and and just uh, uh, three weeks away from now is South by Southwest Interactive. And uh, 
Knowing we only have a half an hour here, Greg, I won't go real deep into the personal story. Uh, as you know, and we can probably tweet it out, uh, I had the pleasure of speaking at TEDx Austin last year on reweaving the fabric of the Internet to transform humanity. And, uh, you know, the whole story of cloud and, and, and that talk really got started a couple, three years ago when my wife Maureen and I were driving over to Houston, um, unfortunately, to the MD Anderson Cancer Center because uh, my wife Maureen had had a recurrence of her breast cancer. And I, I couldn't help but sit reflecting in the car. Here we are driving with this amazing PET CT scan, this amazing image into the, into the tumor that she had on this DVD. And we were driving it, Greg. And, and I couldn't help but think, gosh, here we are, you know, 2009, and it's as, as if I'm driving a mammogram uh, from, from Austin to Houston. It, it was just crazy. Seems like a awkward intermediate step. Yeah, and you know, and what I got to thinking about was, okay, I'd, I'd had the pleasure of being on the e-government task force for for then Governor Bush in Texas, and uh, you know, couldn't help but think, what is it that's making this to be? And so, uh, you know, having been a startup guy and having done a lot of different transformation and, and innovation stuff, I, I said to myself, okay, how do I figure out? why it is that this that this powerful health information cannot be in the hands of that Tuesday tumor board at MD Anderson in such a way that uh, that they could see that four weeks faster than they did because I had to drive it there. Um, and at the same time, I also started to ask the question, you know, why is it that not only can they not see this information, but how can I make it private so that all these folks that are doing clinical trials could find a way to to get into that information true so that we can connect up people faster and not just get a fast cure for my Maureen and get the right therapy started, but figure out how we can get faster cures for a whole lot of folks by, by connecting people and information just a little bit better. Well, will you do me a favor? Because uh, I have to tell you, reading the blog post about that moment, that concurrent moment about the, the notice from the, I think it was the, the Board of Architecture Licensing in Texas, and then the news back from um, the, the, the surgeon or the pathologist, whoever read the, the, did the reading. Tell us about that moment, because that, you know, we, we talked today, passion drives pull, you know, in, in this conversation, yep. and I mean, I've seen your videos, and when I read that blog, I was crying. I mean, I, I'm serious. So please get, spend a few moments developing some context there. Well, well, thanks, Greg, and, and thanks for obviously taking the time to read um, what was titled "Survivorship is is not a phase." And um, you know, it, it's when I think back to the first time that that my Maureen uh, was diagnosed, it was late 2003, and and um, she was pregnant with our then daughter, uh, well, our now daughter, Caitlin. And it was because our obstetrician said, you know, that lump in your breast doesn't feel quite right. We need to do a biopsy. And, you know, little do you think when you're hearing the heartbeat of, of your of your soon-to-be newborn for the first time that you're going to be hearing the word biopsy too. Uh, but like I said in that blog post, um, B is for biopsy, and unfortunately sometimes it comes before C, which is for cancer. And uh, like you know from reading it, Greg, I, I, I can still see exactly where we were in our kitchen, standing by our toaster oven, and we're sitting there peeling open this Texas Board of 
architectural examiner's envelope that, that had Maureen's license after working 10 years on school and everything else, and her phone rings. And, and like you said, you know, you cried when you read it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hold back some tears right now myself. Um, and I could just see in her eyes as her, as her um, surgeon, you know, told her the biopsy results, you know, you have cancer. Um, and, and when you bring, we all know we're mortal, right, Greg? But when you bring that mortality to a 39-year-old that's about to, to, to bring our baby into the world, um, it pisses you off. And so little did I know, like Steve Jobs would say, you can only connect the dots when you would look backward, that all of the different stuff that had happened in my life had happened for a reason. And, you know, at this point, um, you know, it's not just about reinventing the Internet. It's about making sure more people don't get that darn call. Well, absolutely. And the contrast and the uh, the poignant uh, registration of the reality that you and your wife were then facing at that moment sort of led into this pathway where now all of a sudden you've got skin in the game of a very dysfunctional system. So talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, but, and, you know, what, what kind of dawned on me, and it, you know, it, it, it took a while to start to realize that, that this sort of dysfunction with our information and our data, you know, is not just a health thing. I mean, I've been really privileged to work with, with this entity called SWIFT, which is this big global banking consortium based out of Brussels on some of the finance issues. And in, and in some ways, when you think about a financial statement for, for, for a company, it's almost like an electronic health record for that business. Um, but you begin to realize that so much of our information is stuck in these silos. Um, you know, for, for all the fancy technology we have, I joke a lot on those HITSM chats that, that we're basically just building digital filing cabinets as opposed to realizing that, that things can really change. And so when you flip the Internet to have it start with people and not all those silos, you're still looking at the same stuff, but like you know, probably looking at one of those waves that's beating you up, Greg. Sometimes when you change your angle just a little bit, you can get through that tube in a different way. It's the same wave, but but you just got to change your perspective a little bit, and, and, and then some answers start to show up. Okay. So, so tell us more. Tell us more. Get, 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 let's, well, get, let's get into the evolution of, of, of how you were yeah, looking at this so, and – yeah, let's 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 take a deep dive to really mercifully crucify this analogy of the water. <laughs> I'm going to tweet the blog post, so never, don't mind me. Take it away, Gary. <laughs> take it away. So, so cloud stands for consortium for local ownership and use of data. My co-founder and I, when we were when we were IMing about the the name, just couldn't come up with enough words for cumulonimbus. But but the whole point of cloud is to say, okay, let's step back for a minute. And this whole cloud computing thing that's evolving, you know, we were very intentional in naming cloud the way we did to sort of cause people to stop for a minute and think. And, and, and what I think is important to think about is if you think about the electric grid as an analogy, right? So you've got this electric grid with all these wires that connect the, the big power plants, you know, whether they're nuclear or coal, whatever it is that's making that electricity, sending it down those wires to us consumers um, of power. But the grid itself right now is not all that smart in the electric grid, right? I mean, we're seeing early signs of solar and other things where people that are in the grid can actually add value to it. 
So take that electric grid analogy, and now let's jump over to the Internet, kind of thinking about it like a grid. And, and the challenge I see, Greg, right now is that Facebook or Salesforce or even patients like me, all great resources are kind of those utility plants, right? And, and cloud computing, in my mind, is kind of stuck right now that the grid itself isn't all that smart. And so what cloud is all about is saying, well, what if we could put a wrapper around the people that are the Internet as opposed to the web pages and, and bring smarts to the grid that way? And I think we're seeing early signs of this working, right? I mean, you know, like that Twitter chat you, you referenced this morning, you know, there's some real power in the fact that I don't have to go anywhere to do that. It's just a lot of really cool folks talking. So that's kind of where, where cloud got started and, and how we see the Internet a little bit differently. So you broke it down into the who versus the the or the who versus the what and the and, the, and this refabricating of the internet in terms of wrapping around you and tagging and so you know you you've got the tech side you've got you know the your wife's experience on, on the healthcare conundrum side so you're saying hey you know I'm going to weave this together I'm going to weave it in a way that that actually makes improves what we what we're experiencing right now so talk talk more about that yeah, sometimes when I talk about these who's or what's, I feel like I'm 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 in a Dr. Seuss movie with one of my three kids at the theater. But um, you know, at a real simple level, and, and and I know you're tweeting out some of this stuff that I've written in the talk where I, we get into more depth. But if you think about the basic problem right now, think about uh, immunizations. Right, here's a health record, um, and you know I have three kids kids that go to school, and so that health record, I once a summer copy those little cards and take them over to school, and, and, and now it becomes a student record because the school re-enters the stuff from the health record into their student information system. And so that's kind of the, the who and the what. It, it's this idea that we've got information in all these different places, and instead of copying it from one digital filing cabinet to another, saying, hey, you know what? There's one thing in common with all my information, and it's me. It's my who that is connected to all of this. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of step one. Step two is to realize that in order to make information private, what if I could break it down into, into little raindrops, so to speak, to where the only time that raindrop comes together or the cloud uh, is when a storm's brewing, right? And so... Uh, this idea that if I disconnect my personal information from the databases in which my information sits, then by extension, I kind of architect privacy into the guts of the Internet. So there's a lot more about the who and the what and uh, who's on first and what's on second, a little Abbott and Costello, um, you know, on our homepage at our website uh, where you can dig into some of these nuggets. And let's just mention that's cloud, I-N-C, cloudinc.org. So a storm, an example of a storm in that context would be, Maureen, you have cancer, correct? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I think about that storm front hitting, um, you know, the good news now is, you know, what with, with, with great medicine out there, um, you know, she's doing extremely well, um, taking her septin, uh, which has got her on a really good course. Uh, but, you know, I can't help but think that uh, – you know, that next solution that's out there, that clinical trial that may be happening somewhere in the world that we don't even know about, you know, until we think about ways to get past these digital filing cabinets, how does that researcher find Maureen? Or like I talk about in my TED Talk, how do they find 
Kathan, the little boy that has leukemia. I mean, how do we find each other so that we can connect faster these, these wealths of information uh, to make sure that we not only find those cures faster, uh, but get those cures to the bedside of the exact person that needs it right when they need it. So are you envisioning a sort of uber patient registry that might be disease-specific, or h- how do you see that? Well, I think the thing that's interesting is to realize that, that, that the answer to this is is in a fabric and not a destination, right? And so when you, when you think about the problem, there's little bits of information at the Mayo Clinic. There's little bits of information at MD Anderson. There's little bits of information, you know, wherever it may be on the Internet. And, and, and the trick is to not do what Google Health was trying to do and just sort of suck all that information out of those filing cabinets and put it in another one. The trick is to say, you know what, let's just leave it where it is. And if instead of putting the firewall around the database, I can put the firewall around me, then all of a sudden privacy and transparency can actually happen at the same time. Because if I'm the only person that can put together all those little dots about me, then I can ensure privacy because no one can ever create a mosaic of the whole Gary or the whole Maureen. But if I can pivot around that little dot of data that's now private because my who's no longer connected to it, then that clinical trial researcher can see all the little dots of someone with a specific kind of cancer or a specific diabetes and reach out to them in a private and secure way. And then the only time in which that who comes back together with that little bit of what is when I, the user, choose to reconnect myself to that so that that researcher can find me and we can start to have a conversation. So I think I've got it. I think it sounds sexy and awesome. Now, where are we on this trajectory of concept to beta to, you know, fulfillment on a routine basis? Well, yeah, you know, so we're in the early stages. Um, what what you'll start to see next from cloud is uh, actually we're going to start talking about it tomorrow at TEDx Austin. These cloud circles, where the, the trick to this, Greg, is really not a technology problem. It's really this sort of paradigm and business shift problem, and we really want to bring people into this conversation. So uh, over the next few months, we're going to be launching a social innovation platform uh, where we can start to think about proofs of concepts and prototypes about how does this actually work. And in parallel, as, as we're working on that, bringing together these new cloud standards. So think about just like HTML is to a web page or to a browser, context markup language, the language that cloud is building, will be to what we call digital weavers. And so, you know, we're a few years off, but, uh, you know, when I started law school uh, at 32, somebody said, do you realize you're going to be 35? When you finish law school, ancient. I said, you know what? I'm going to be 35 when I in three years, regardless of whether I go to law school or not. So we got to start somewhere. So uh, we look forward to bringing people into the stream. Just like you know, we're we're really blessed to have as many followers as we do at, at Cloud Health and at Cloud Finance and at Cloud Talent. And uh, you know, it's really going to be a journey of people working together on this and 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 not doing it the same way standards have always been done, where there's some technical committee somewhere that works in a, in a room and puts stuff together, it, it really is going to be all of us working together to build the Internet that we want to use together in the future. So do you see this as part of the the overall open 
uh, architecture, the development that's going on inside of more of this open framework, and and where are the the legacy health information technology people? Is there is there a potential meeting of the minds here, or is this simply going in different directions? No, actually, I think there can be a meeting of the minds when when we think about what cloud is going to do. Um, there's some really great work that's already happened with privacy. There's really great stuff happening with security. I mean, obviously, there's all of the great HL7 work that's been done already and DICOM and all the other standards. The, tr the, the way cloud sees the world is none of that needs to be replaced. There just sort of needs to be hooks that come in underneath it so that, that when you're moving a piece of health data over to the school for that immunization, you're not having to move it. So we're kind of underneath all those silos starting with the person and saying, okay, I can't have a privacy and security, you know, for every different thing that I do on the internet. I got to have one, and weave that back together. Um, and I think there's huge opportunities for for the Facebooks and the Epics and the Cerners that, as, as cloud takes the biggest risk they have, which is privacy and security, and puts it in the gut to the internet. All of that intellectual capital, it, 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 all of the the legacy companies that are out there can be really focused on what they're good at, which is workflows and that interface into the hospital. But, you know, you got to start with the problem first and not the healthcare system or, or you'll never get to the right answer, I don't think. So I, I think I'm following it in, in a way, and I love the idea of hooks, uh, you know, because I, I had to do the HTML thing, so I like the, the idea of hooks. But um, it seems like what you're talking about is that there there may be sort of this fundamental identity which may be at a molecular or DNA level that gets encoded, and then that somehow it's kind of the it's the it's the gatekeeper that turns the switch that that then hooks into these various silos, if you will, or even those that might be embedded in the cloud. Is that is that kind of what you're talking about? You know, I think we could end up in a place like that, and I think the trick is, you know, and uh, you know, kind of thinking about accountable care and, and health IT is. If you start with the physical geography of healthcare, this physical geography notion is, is something that David Weinberger kind of put in my head when I read his book, Everything is Miscellaneous. <laughs> so if, if we simply try to apply technology to the way the things work now, we're assuming the system as it is. And I think you and I both know, having been around this technology thing for a while, the, the really cool stuff happens when you realize is that technology can help us not just do old things in new ways, but let us do new things, right? And so that's the pivot that I think matters. I mean, if I think about my Maureen and her accountable care, well, the way we're doing it now, we're taking institutions that already exist in the healthcare system and letting them come together to decide what that accountable care unit is. In the cloud worldview, where you think of a world of me 1.0 that starts with patients, well, you know what? The combination of healthcare providers we chose to deal with Maureen's cancer, which might not have included an obstetrician if it was done some other way, but it did for us, then you can start to create sort of these ACOs of one. And the beauty of the Internet is it's really easy to scale that to hundreds of thousands of people and look for the patterns in accountable care based on patients' choices. And meaningful use in my book is my Maureen's still with me, and wow. that's the meaningful use metric that I use. I love that. You've you just given me the subject of my next blog post on ACO Watch. ACO is an N of one. I mean, how how awesome can that be? It it just seems like uh, 
it's uh it's it, it's like well duh that's the way it should be you know <laughs> why why isn't it that way you know well and, and Greg you and I have been around this for a while too I can't help but think as as we're doing this healthcare reform stuff and, and trying to find the money that we need to to help more people get healthcare that you know those five minutes that we spend with a clipboard and 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 whether that forms in a clipboard or that forms on an iPad if we're filling out a form we're 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 still in the old days. You know, if you take those five minutes of those little actions that we do in the healthcare system with information and, and, and get rid of them and, and multiply that across the trillions of healthcare decisions that billions of people on this planet make every day, the money we need to get healthcare to more folks or the money that we need to get to more research, it's in the system. We just got to stop doing some stuff that we're doing that just doesn't make sense. Oh, I so agree with that. I mean, we're already at 17.5% of GDP, $2.7 trillion by the latest estimates is in the pipeline. You know, come on, you ought to be able to cap that, uh, wean out excess capacity, waste, fraud, and abuse, and keep everyone happy. I mean, there's just no scenario under which that cannot play out. It's simply legacy interests that will not move. So I think we're going to have... A micro, an MS office versus open office moment here, and I can't quite locate it in the context of your statements just now, but I see it coming. And, uh, uh, you know, I, the legacy providers, you know, were all part of uh, generating the middleware industry <laughs> who've done very well over the last eight to ten years. But you know what? It's no longer adequate because uh, fundamental intraoperability issues, at least at the EHR and now going beyond that into the health information exchange environment, it's not cutting it, you know? It's, so, you know, let's do an end run. The cloud's there. You know, it's really uh, it, be device agnostic, create connectivity, understand the privacy issues, and take the economic obstacles out of the conversation. Well, you know, the thing I can't help but think is what, what the providers in the marketplace are doing now is using the tools they have the best they can to bring solutions forth. And so I think the trick, using kind of a digital weaving analogy like I do on my TED Talk, is to say, you know what, there's great intellectual capital out there with these legacy providers, and if they had a new tool set, a, a new way of putting things together, I can't help but think they're going to create great things. They just need the new tools. And so... Um, you know, again, it's this notion of um, how can I weave together a new fabric and, and think of this electronic health record really as a, a piece of digital fabric that's woven together contextually for that visit I have to a doctor. I mean, if, and if you think about it, right, if, if I'm at my regular primary care physician, then the way I need to assemble my health data in a fabric for that visit is way different than my cardiologist in the intensive care unit having to weave together that same data in a different way. And so that's the way I think we need to think about it is let's stop making paper processes digital and really think forward to what happens when it's dynamic and each EHR based on each interaction I have with a healthcare provider is a unique combination of information for that moment right there right now. I love it. Quantum mechanics meets the electronic health industry. <laughs> Fab situational fabrications. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, I love it. So really between 
e-patients, the rise of the empowered patient, as reflected by all the people in that e-patient conversation, notoriously e-patient Dave, but many others, plus the uh, the rise of, for instance, what uh, um, um, they're doing at the e-collaborative forum, uh, Hims, for example, uh, Leonard uh, uh, Leonard Kish, uh, Vince Caritas, Steve Adams of Allure, we chatted a couple of shows ago. You know, collaborate or die. Leverage the open architecture. You know, stop, you know, looking in, in terms of, you know, siloed proprietary um, in, in intellectual capital. Um, anyway, well, the yeah, whole point, well, and, 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 and as Leonard Kish and I said to each other, I mean, this is one of those cases with the e-collaboration forum at, at, at HIMSS where what happens in Vegas, we don't want to stay in Vegas. We want to... We want to have this collaboration thing really kind of reach all the corners of the Internet because uh, transformation is here and we need to surf that wave. Oh, I guarantee you that. What, what's, what happens in Vegas will not stay in Vegas. It will be published all over the Internet, and we're going to do our best to make that happen at HealthGeek. At HealthGeek.tv. So, um, Gary, we just, you know, I think uh, I think we're just hitting the surface here of this conversation. I want to thank you for your uh, coming on today. Um, I, you know, what does this have to do with accountable care and accountable care organizations? Everything, for God's sakes. Up-level your sense of what accountable care is in terms of this fabrication notion. It's situation. It's contextual. So, Gary, thanks. Uh, we're going to sort of wind down here on the live portion of the show. And uh, if you're available, perhaps we can carry over into a little bit of overtime if you're, if you're up for that. I look forward to continuing the conversation. And at the end of the day, meaningful use means 28 million people like my morning that have cancer uh, are here for a whole lot. Okay, Gary, we're going to do this next week with Vince Caritas on the e-collaboration forum and hymns. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on This Week in Accountable Care. Bye now. Okay, now we're in the overtime session. This is the let your hair down more informal conversation. But Gary, uh, I hope I didn't step on your 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 message there. Uh, but I got you triggered me. Uh, um, uh, this end of one situational sort of assembly of uh, what's contextually relevant at different stages. You know, my Maureen. I like the idea of the tumor board. How do I, you know. Why is it us? You know, I, actually, I want to share it. I have a story. Now, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer um, a couple of months ago, and um, she had a, a My Maureen moment as well in as much as um, she's at UCSD Moore's Cancer Center, which is an NCI-designated comprehensive cancer center, which means, you know, best in class, okay, in terms of cancer cancer treatment. And... Uh, there was an issue there with this mammogram. She she has what uh, uh, are called dense breasts, dense breast tissue, and the efficacy of uh, uh, false positives or absent sensitivity to detect malignancies for women with breast dense via mammography isn't all that good. In fact, there's there's more. You know. Anyway, so she wound up through a friend, 
a shout-out for Kim Witt, Kim Whittemore on Twitter, at Kim Witt, uh, wound up accessing uh, the services of an outfit called Sonocini, Dr. Kelly, doing, it's basically an ultrasonography movie of, of a uh, ultrasound of the breast. It's whole breast uh, imaging. And as it turns out, his, uh, he zeroed in on where the tumor was. What UCSD was identifying based on their radiology interpretations was a misdirection play, and she was told, you've got no problem, come back in six months. Well, she went to this ultrasonography, and he found the malignant lesion. They went in, it was biopsy confirmed, and it was, uh, it was uh, they did a lumpectomy. So why is that on me or her to sort of, wait a second, healthcare delivery system, we're not comfortable with what we have going on here. And you know what? We're getting second and third medical points of view, which are at odds with yours. Why is it up to the pay- in this case, an 80-year-old woman, to have to be her own advocate in a best-in-class environment to say, hey, have you considered this? And you know what? They weren't real open. They would not receive that digital imagery. That we we can't receive it, so you have to physically deliver it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and 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 you know, it, it, and and what's your mom's name, Greg? Teresa. Teresa. Well, well, we'll certainly be praying for Teresa down here in Austin. But you know, it's one of those cases where diagnosis is everything. I mean, you know, I think back to to Dr. Landermeyer, our obstetrician, who could have just sort of chalked up the little lump being hard as oh, you know, she's three months pregnant, and 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 you know, had we lost those six months, just like. If you had lost those six months with Teresa, you know, I can't imagine where we would have been. Um, and so you, you, you're right. It, it's um, and I can't you know, help it's not just it. empowering the patient, but, we, you know, when you think about cloud, it's really a, about empowering all the individuals in this puzzle so that, that we change their paradigm and realize that, that we're working together, not, not in that sort of, uh, well, like you reflected on the song that took us in and out of the, of the talk, right? Yeah. Uh, we're not just receivers anymore. Well, and I can't help but think part of the subtext is well, she, she, you're 80 years old for Christ's sakes. You know wh- what does it matter? But then again, the Medicare trust fund is going bust. You know the the, the best care is the is the least expensive care. You know because proper early detection and intervention takes that out of downstream complications of horrendous surgeries and ultimately God knows what. So, you know, it's just a puzzle to me. Yeah, well, I, yeah. and I think part of this cost, you know, and, this, and things going bust is that we keep layering things on top of the way that we're doing things and, and sort of, you know, you know, almost like leveraging the healthcare system just like we over-leveraged the mortgage industry where, you know, a piece of debt was leveraged 10 to 1, I think until we transform and rethink the system, you know, like I talk about a virtual geography of healthcare, you know, we're, we're doing that same over-leveraging of the healthcare system that, that the finance system did. Right. I'm sitting here staring at a tweet from the healthcare blog. It says, context is everything. I said, you're damn right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> context yep. is everything. So Context is everything. So in the... You know, next couple of minutes here. You want to tell us a little bit of the. You want to conclude in any way. You want to preview what you're doing at TEDx. You want to talk about uh, anything. Well, you know, thanks for that, Greg. I, I think that the biggest thing, kind of like as we went out the HITSM chat today, I think it, it is in conversation and discussion that we will discover the future. Uh, the, like I said at my TED talk a year ago, um, this is this is not about cloud delivering something to the internet. This is about us working together on it. And so, 
between at a new cloud, which is kind of our Twitter handle for kind of the big picture, and at cloud health, which is the much more fine-grained discussion of health, uh, we just ask folks to, to jump into the conversation with us um, and, you know, we'll, we'll announce things as we go along about platforms that we're going to use to bring people into the conversation to, to create this future. Okay, so there's at a new cloud? Okay, at a new cloud. Okay. Yes. So the, biggest, the way you can tell that it's us talking, you'll, you'll see those little green dots, which actually, just to, to give you some background, the, 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 the visual for that is think about a dandelion that you blow on that, that blows the seeds away so that you can plant new seeds elsewhere. So that's where the cloud logo came from. But whenever you see those three dots, those little green dots and, and cloud in caps, you know it's us. And so a new cloud is the big picture. Cloud health is the picture in finance. Cloud finance is the picture in finance. And uh, that's a way to keep up with what we're thinking and what we're talking about. And like we know from the Twitter chat this morning, it's all about talking about it together. Very nice branding, Gary. So um, just a question since that TED Talk, uh, have you gotten, uh, has it gotten some traction? Have you, have, have you, you get contacted by people downstream who see it after the event? What, what's going on there? You know, it's pretty amazing. Um, I mean, A, to have the honor of doing one um, in the first place, and, and, you know, we've been nominated for, for a TED Med talk, too, so, you know, hoping to have a chance to do it again. But, you know, I feel just really blessed that, you know, that you know, almost a couple of thousand folks have watched it in the last year, you know, from from, from Austria to, to Poland. Um, it, it, it's humbling, um, actually, uh, to, to, to watch what happens with that. And... Uh, yeah, people do reach out. I mean, there's conversations like the one you and I are having right now that uh, never would have happened, but but for Twitter and and the opportunity to, to spread the message. Okay, Gary. So let me just remind everyone that's Cloud Inc. C L O D I N C dot org, and there you can jump to the link to the TEDx 2011 presentation by Gary Lee Thompson. So Gary, again, I want to thank you for your time today. Really appreciate the conversation. I think we just touched scratching the surface here of how this all sort of uh, gets woven together in this tapestry of accountable care. It's definitely a challenge. It's energized it. All the stakeholders who are involved, and it's going to be exciting to see what we've learned in the years uh, at HIMSS. And, oh, you're you're going to be at HIMSS? We'll we'll see people at all the different tweet-up at HIMSS and uh, enjoy the weekend surfing those waves there in Surfers Paradise, Greg. Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll have to get you out here, Gary. All righty. All right. Thanks again for joining. Okay. Take care. You're great. All right. Well, that was Gary Lee Thompson, everyone. And I want to thank you uh, for listening in. I think Gary disappeared. So I will, um, next week, we're going to have uh, Vince Caritis on the show. Vince is a health week. standing colleague.